As we heard last week in the proclamation of the movable feasts for 2018, ordinary time begins today. Our sights are now set on Lent and Easter and beyond that to ordinary time through the summer and the fall and then back around again to Advent in the last month of 2018. If, um, if Christmas is your favorite season, there's good news here. Only 345 more days until December the 25th or um, 49 weeks and two days or 11 months and 11 days, however you prefer to count it. And if you are a lover of Christmas, you will count it in all of those ways. This Sunday, the passage from the Gospel follows the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan by John the Baptist. It might be ordinary time, but um, a touch of Christmas still lingers in the church and in the liturgy, as you can see. However, the first reading from the book of Samuel shifts our attention away from the Christmas mysteries to the adult Christ at the beginning of his public ministry, and more particularly, to the call of the apostles. They are the ones whose witness the church will be built upon, why we call ourselves a, an apostolic church. That sounds straightforward enough, but if we allow the reading from Samuel to shape our understanding of the gospel, we discover that there is a dense theology that underlies the passage, a theology that tells us that the one who calls Samuel in the first reading is the same Lord who calls the disciples in the gospel. But the readings and the theology behind them do more than tell us who does the calling, they tell us also why. So the theology begins with God, or at least what we can possibly know about God. You and I exist because at some point in time we came into being and have life. This is not the case with God. There is no point in time that God came into being. This is because God does not have life. God is life. This means that God does not exist in the same way as you and I exist. He cannot be seen because he's invisible, does not occupy a place within creation because he is outside the created world. There is no limit to God, no boundaries or surfaces that can be measured or calibrated because he is all mind, all thought, all reason, all hearing, all seeing, all present, and never absent from his creation. But God is also all love who wants to be known and loved by his creatures in return. And here's the problem that lies at the origin of the season we just finished celebrating, Christmas. How does God, who is unknowable, unseeable, unhearable, become known and loved in the ways that a human being can know and love? The answer is that God must become what he is not by nature. He must become finite. He must become limited and measurable. In other words, a human being. This is exactly who Jesus of Nazareth is. He is the second person of the Holy Trinity, God become visible and touchable, who searches out his own creation and shares friendship with the children of men. As Good Friday will also tell us, this is a God who becomes vulnerable, a God who can be betrayed by his own friends, who can be brutalized and crucified. 
I said that this is the dense theological core of our Catholic faith. It may sound more to you like theological abstraction. If so, then look at the icon above the altar. Because you can see, you can actually see this theology in pictorial form. That, that icon shows a human body, but it also shows that Christ's divinity is not concealed or hidden beneath his human body. The figure is diffused with light, and that is the light of his divinity shining through his human flesh. The icon tells us what the Liturgy of Christmas and Epiphany tell us, what the Creed tells us, that when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, we see God become visible, the eternal bounded by the limits of the body of a Galilean Jew. We know this theology because we recite it in the Creed and because we celebrate it in the liturgy. This is not merely a Christology, this is an anthropology. It says something important about the Lord Jesus, but it also affirms something important about you and me. Because if Christ's humanity makes God visible to our eyes, then this is also true of our humanity. Our human nature is not a barrier to intimacy with God. Rather, it is the means by which we become his friends and disciples. This is where the readings come in. The reading from Samuel, together with the gospel passage about the call of the fishermen, is a deeply moving, but it's also a curiously revealing passage about human beings and God. God's deepest instinct is for communion and intimacy, an intimacy that is not exhausted in the triune community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a thirst for intimacy and communion which is so great it strains our ability to theologize about it. But we have in the readings today two good examples of God's desire for friendship with his creatures. The voice that calls Samuel in the first reading and the voice of Jesus calling the disciples to follow him in the second. The liturgy tells us that those two voices are not two separate voices, they are one in the same. The pre-existent Logos is the one who calls Samuel, who becomes in time Jesus, the incarnate word of God, calling his disciples. That tells us who does the calling. But the question is, why? Or more to the point, where? Where do we experience the voice of Christ calling in our lives? Where <clears throat> The most obvious answer is here in the divine liturgy. The liturgy happens when Catholics gather together for worship of the Holy Trinity. But our presence at the Eucharist is always a response. It is Christ who does the calling, and Samuel and the apostles, those who re respond, gather in his presence. This is the source and origin of all Catholic liturgy because the Holy Trinity never stops thirsting for communion with the human race. God's action is prior. He must, he must call because his is always the initiative. Ours is always the response. This is why the church is an ecclesia, a calling together of the faithful. It's a calling together, not a coming together. But it takes two 
to tango. Christ must do the calling. We must do the answering. This is how the readings from Samuel and John are shaping us and preparing us for the long journey through the coming year of grace.